gonna send you up against the best. Yes, sir. You two characters are going to Top Gun. I feel the need. The need for speed. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Flight School Edition. I'm your host, Mike One, a.k.a. Douche. <laughs> I am also douche. <laughs> Code names uh, we, are not our specialty. We are, we are doing Top Gun, this this small two-episode arc as we lead up to Top Gun Maverick, which will be coming out. I think it's Memorial Day weekend, right, is when we uh, get yeah. our hands on that. Uh, we're going to set the table for that movie and that review we thought would be fun to kind of go over the original Top Gun from 1986 which believe it or not was like 38 years ago Tom Cruise looks maybe five years older now than he does in this movie Mm -hmm. uh, which is amazing but yeah 36 years ago this Top Gun 1 came out when we were introduced to Maverick and Jester and Iceman and Leia and Luke and might be getting the wires crossed there (laughs) but Top Gun 1986 Michael Oh my God! I'm so glad we're doing this today. This uh, this movie was well well received since then, but not in 1986. Only 57% by the critics back then. But the critics didn't matter back then, Michael. There was two guys named Gene and one guy named Roger, mm. and whatever they said, it didn't matter because this movie has been an audience and a box office favorite ever since. 250k ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, 83 percent. 6.9, of course. Nice. That was a 6.9. Yes. 330,000 votes on IMDb, and listen to this stuff. Box office, a whopping 357 million worldwide since May 16th, with only a high the weekend after Memorial Day weekend of 9 million in that in, in that. Uh, four-day frame so michael this movie stayed in theaters making over at least a million dollars for 29 straight weekends all the way out to november 28th 1986 and it would ultimately finish its run when it fell under a million december 5th top gun is also perhaps one of the first monster hits on vhs and it's racked up humongous numbers since then. We have, and there's there's a there's a whole unaccounted for time period as well. But we know by by 1987, 2.9 million VHS tapes were sold. We know between 2009 and today, 3.1 million DVDs were sold, grossing 34 million. And we know that 788,000 Blu-rays have been sold, accounting for 14 million. So Top Gun is my God, a money maker. Yeah, I mean, and let's keep in mind too: three hundred fifty-seven million is in nineteen eighty-six dollars. You count for inflation; that's nine hundred and forty-one million dollars in twenty twenty-two money. So that's a Top Gun is almost a billion-dollar movie if it were to come out today with the numbers it did back then. That's how this movie's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I how dare you? This movie. <laughs> this movie is the house of Gucci. It really of is. Like, you can see where the Scott family has really found their niche as filmmakers and crafters here. <laughs> I love this damn movie. I always have, always will. I love it even more if after I you say this. If I hear take my breath away one more time, my head is going to explode. But don't they get it? Don't they get it because they have this Oscar nominated song, this Golden Globe winning Oscar winning song, Take My Breath Away. They have Kenny Loggins for two 
just humongous hits. This soundtrack will go over to it when we hit production values. Sells re- nine plat- times platinum, nine million copies ever since. Whatever. Uh, somebody said, I, I forget who, but somebody on Twitter just recently said, we got to go back to opening credits because they're a great way to set the scene and set the like <laughs> the tone. And they had to have been watching this movie when they had that thought because this movie opening credits is nothing but like jet takeoff B-roll Love of it. Kenny Loggins' danger zone eventually coming on the speaker over. And it works. It's awesome. It it sets the tone perfectly. Uh, you You know you're getting the real thing because it couldn't be faked. It's not a stunt. Right. Piece well, that's and that's where the Oscar-y part comes in, and that's where like exactly. what this movie was able to do. <laughs> it's not so much all that Tom Cruise riding around on a motorcycle scenes that brought it up to prominence right. in this giant box office. It's what this movie was able to do practically with the actual air fighting and dog fighting going on with real jets. With it, amazing for the time, and otherwise they don't mess around in terms of giving us what we want all the time. This is like nonstop ice cream the whole movie. Yeah. Because uh, it's efficient, Mike. It's under two hours. It's under it's an two hour hours, forty six, and they play the hits four times each. They play Kenny Loggins five times, <laughs> five times four. They play "Take My Breath Away" eighteen times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I was going before because they have an Oscar winning song on their hands. They know it. Jerry Bruckheimer doesn't mess around. Yeah. And four Oscar nominations. Uh, otherwise, film editing, <laughs> sound, and sound effects editing it also won two golden reels which is i've rarely been more offended than Mm -hmm. i am to see this movie be nominated for best film editing well now that is one of the most egregious nominations in oscars history look it i just feel really good about myself right now because a lot of things are coming up also mike i became an uncle for the first time yes congratulations thank you I, I did a lot, uh, like I said in the pre-show. Yep, I've, I've, sure. I earned this. It was all uh, you, kid. <laughs> no, I did nothing. I was sitting around. Uh, I'm very proud of my the sister The Celtics imploded in game five. The and Celtics eliminated. lost. You're on yep. the precipice of doom and despair. By the time people listen to this, yeah. I'm very upset with a lot of things going on there. Questioning everything. Yep. I'm forcing you to do this particular <laughs> review, which you dis- you kind of hilariously despise. And no, it's it's awesomely bad. It is. Is awesome, and I, like I had uh, genuinely one of my heartiest laugh out Good. loud moments ever in a movie because of an awesomely bad part in this that I right. will talk about. No, and I got Top Gun Maverick and Downton Abbey: A New Era down the pike, both of which are getting rave reviews. This is your month. This is this is your Halloween ends Black Adam double feature. Jury duty got canceled for me yesterday, Michael. <laughs> I, like, yep. what is happening? Like, yeah. things are coming up. Also, Mike, right now, everything's coming up Millhouse. And yeah, I get to break your balls about House of Gucci again, which is even better. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but all right, so let's get into our experience with this film. Uh, my first memories of Top Gun, Mike go back to i don't know when i told you i came online for you know the nba finals of magic johnson versus michael jordan in 1990 mm-hmm. but it might have been it might have been sooner than that because i remember being in my aunt kathy's car listening to the top gun soundtrack making her play highway to the danger zone again and again <laughs> and again with my brother john and i just became an uncle yesterday right so This is like the circle of life if I have ever seen it, because now here I am with a new Top Gun movie, and 
I'm going to play my little niece, Sage, in a few years on, on, on my car stereo. This Lady Gaga, Hold My Hand, Top Gun Maverick anthem, so that she will also get drunk to Top Gun songs <laughs> when she's in college. Like, because that's I all I did. Uh, Kenny Loggins, that was the getting drunk songs. I don't know if Kenny, is Kenny Loggins still around? Is he alive? He's alive in all our hearts is what he is. Between this and the Caddyshack. <laughs> my, between... my, right. But my point is, like, they had to. I, I could hope they brought him back for the Maverick soundtrack if he's still around. He was, he's an integral part of this. We just figure he's immortal, don't we? <laughs> right. We don't. I just know that when I, I looked up his pictures, or I, I just moved my cursor over something, and his jet pla- black hair showed up, and it was just colored with black tar. Yeah. The man was way shoe too polish. old for that. Yeah, yeah. shoe polish hair. Well, it says le- he's alive. All right. He's still around. Put him on the, put him on the soundtrack here. <laughs> Still alive. Uh, wh- what was your history with this movie? Because you kind of told me like maybe you watched it on TV. Maybe yeah, I I don't know no what history. my history is. I don't I don't really have one. I, and I, that's where I landed on it. I don't remember. I know I've seen parts of this, but I don't know if it was because I watched it on cable or if it's because I actually sat down and took it in one day when I was young. But I don't know that I've. It's if I have seen this thing all the way through, it's been decades. So I don't really have much of a history with Top Gun. I think how, it's kind of interesting. How much of your history with 1980s movies or mo- movies before you came online is just Family Guy jokes? A lot. There's a lot of 80s, like, <laughs> hallowed ground that I have just not seen. I'm realizing the more we uh, we talk about this stuff. I'm sure I'm the same way with 70s, 60s, whatever, <laughs> but... I, I definitely noticed that uh, that well, well let's just make that a test case because I, I think uh, you know there are some Top Gun family jo- guy jokes out there that <laughs> we'll we'll test this after the fact mm-hmm. but yeah so we're celebrating my new niece uh, I am just thrilled to death with the whole family and I mentioned that I gotta watch Top Gun and they're like oh put it on so the whole family watched Top Gun last night Mike. <laughs> So that's my movie watching experience, and we—it was the loudest the room has been in a while. Like Tom Cruise is such a movie star, we're yelling at the screen the entire film, good, bad, or different, laughing hilariously. So look at—I'm just going to be totally biased on this one. My uncle Kevin literally dressed like Maverick and Goose for ten years after this movie, before he eventually got promoted enough at work to where he could dress like Pat Riley in the okay. mid '90s. Good. So, like, this isn't just entrenched, entrenched in my childhood and my coming of age. Top Gun, and I am a hundred percent biased out of sheer nostalgia. I look forward to tearing this down piece by piece. <laughs> well, this is the that's the dichotomy of what we're going with now. You grew up on this, and this is like, yeah. you know, nostalgia bait to you. And I'm coming at this with 2022 eyes, having e- either seen it and don't remember it, or having never seen it, not sure of which. And there's just some stuff that is just like laugh out loud funny. So we're gonna get right. kind of a dueling review here. But it was just so cool. Like this was cool. No. Sure. No, st- <laughs> <laughs> Michael, the overall composition thoughts. We'll stay non-spoiler for a while, people. We'll get a little bit spoiler-ish, I suppose. But uh, directed by Tony Scott. Tony Scott, uh, this was his second feature film. He'd go That's on impressive. To, yeah, he'd go on to have a big career after this. Beverly Hills Cop 2, all the way through True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State 90s, to you know his Denzel phase in the early 2000s, Man on Fire, taking 
Pelham one two three stopped with Unstoppable. Uh, Brother of Ridley there. Pelham one two three. That remake is really good. Really good. Really good. There's, I like certain Ridley uh, Tony Scott films more than others. I'm a big fan of Unstoppable. Same. I'm a big fan of Enemy of the State back in the day, True Romance. Crimson Tide's very good. I was watching that on the elliptical for a while. That would You you wouldn't think that would keep you invested, but I, it was an easy uh, exercise watch there. But, yeah, I mean, he's done some Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, cheeseball movies, too, there uh, that haven't been so good. Like I was Top not Gun doesn't fall into that category for you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I just, I right. need pr- <laughs> but we have Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer having some hits together as producers with Flashdance, with Beverly Hills Cop, but this was their biggest hit, and this it would feel- cement their like, career. Th- that feels like a, a, a trilogy of films too just on like i know they're wildly different what you know your top gun flash dance beverly hills cop but god that, that's like that's the 80s in a in a triumvirate isn't it that is the 80s and it's amazing that these guys would also do the 90s with bad boys right. and the rock and you know their their michael bay phase as well i mean because bruckheimer would go on to armageddon rem- remember the titans pirates of the caribbean he National loves Trevor. his power ballads attached to his movies doesn't he <laughs> he does and he doesn't mess around he gives them to us and he gives them to us again and then he, and again and then they're <laughs> singing other power ba- ballads of the previous generation you could say he doesn't want to miss a thing really karaoke style very good uh yeah, I just this is this is Americana at yeah. its finest and its most horrifying. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. The Top Gun screenplay is written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., who'd go on to write together The Secret of My Success, Turner and Hooch, Anaconda, and all those John Voight accents. I wonder if they wrote those in the scripts. Make sure you change your accent. Um, anyway. <laughs> Inspired by an article uh, titled Top Guns, published in California Magazine three years before this came out, they ended up doing a ton of research flying inside planes with the military. They got the military on board, Michael. This is a hell of a story without an antagonist somehow that they wouldn't even write in until... Okay, let's just send him on a dangerous, danger, quote, quote unquote, dangerous mission at the end. With the no-named antagonist, we don't even know what country. Because <laughs> God forbid we name a country and like at any point prior to the 2010s to be the antagonist here. And um, that's a crazy thing because the U.S. Navy, like they redacted a ton, ton of stuff from the script to get it approvable. Like it was gonna be Cuba. It was gonna, you know, the Cuban military was gonna be the bad guys, yeah. and they totally retroacted all of it out of there makes a lot of sense and you don't want to you know especially you were still at the the very end of the cold war i guess was 86 too so by the time this was in shooting and stuff but again it's just wild that this is tony scott's only second ever film and he's got this kind of access to the navy and people signing on board and all the money it would take to get this done it's it's quite impressive i will say about the screenplay though like wildly impressive some of the dialogue that, there's all kinds of tropes and some hackneyed stuff, and it's an 80s movie, and like it doesn't hold up well. But there's a three-minute stretch in this movie where you have never, ever leave your wingman, I have the need, the need for speed, and too close for missiles, I'm switching the guns. Within a three-minute span, all those things are set. Those are like all-timer one-liners. Great one-liners. 
uh, that my uncle would quote for the next, well, right. still to this day. Like, and liter- he's not the only one. They're like embedded in pop culture history. Mike, I didn't realize like coach speak things that people say, like turn and burn. Did mm-hmm. you know Turn and Burns from Top Gun? I did not. No, I did not. But people say that all the time. Just like, all right, you got a kid, you got to turn and run fast. <laughs> turn and burn. I say it all the time myself now because I'm copying these other guys. <laughs> it's Top Gun. Uh, it's efficiency, too, because there's there's obviously long stretches in this movie where there's very little or no dialogue whatsoever because we're focused on the dogfighting in the sky. So I am the most impressed I am with this movie outside of the practical effects of the Navy doing what they did to, with these shots in the air and all that is the actual dialogue within the screenplay. I, I It's wild. It's... Uh... It's a lot of frills, let's just say. I think uh, I think the film editing, on the other hand, definite highs and lows. Yes. We have <laughs> Chris LeBenzin and Billy Weber. LeBenzin goes on to become the go-to editor for Tony Scott, Michael Bay, and Tim Burton. Huge resume. Uh, two-time Oscar nom for this and Crimson Tide. Michael, he is going to be the editor of Top Gun Maverick, so we're in for more of this style editing perhaps, but I don't know. Billy Weber, his resume has some very great, very terrible editing work. He's got the, he's the Terrence Malick go-to guy. He's a go-to feature comedy editor from everything from 48 hours through, uh, Miss Congeniality to Nacho Libre, but he's also got some bombs on his resume, like the love guru and Geely. Does any of this surprise you? I'm not going to sit here and have you tell me the love guru was a bomb. The worst. I went to the Love Guru. I think I've told this. I think I've told this story. I went to the Love Guru with like 17 of my friends. It was like a middle school or a high school, like going out. And I was dying throughout that movie. And I think I was the only one in the group. (laughs) You made my point perfectly crystal clear. Um, uh, that's uh, that's terrible, terrible uh, reference by you. The first of uh, hopefully one. All right. But look at the editing within the scenes. Like we said about the credits, Mike, the, the editing within the scenes, the action, pretty good, I would say. Yeah, the editing issues I had are less to do with the action than it is like, I got to stop saying like, I need a new transitional phrase, but from scene to scene, the The transitions between the scenes are awful. Infamous (laughs) volleyball scene, which we'll talk about has Mm -hmm. one song playing. And then for no reason, it's a hard cut to when Maverick is leaving that scene to just him riding on his motorcycle into the sunset. We go right back in to take my breath away after we're just hearing playing with the boys from Kenny Loggins. It makes no sense. It's so hard and so jarring and it's played for no reason. It's not even like Kelly McGinnis is on the screen at that point. Are we just supposed to be fantasizing about Tom Cruise's silhouette in the distance? Yeah, it's almost like the shirtless volleyball scene was gratuitous and unnecessary to tell a story. (laughs) So how did that get in? (laughs) Because of course it got in. I don't know. That's a a story I bet has. That and the absurdly lengthy, intimate sex scene. (laughs) (laughs) Almost shades of Florence Pugh and Harry Styles where the mouth (laughs) is just open. It's just like the camera lingering on Kelly McGinnis's face for an uncomfortably long. I'm a heterosexual male. Yeah. And I just get me out of here. It was kind of awkward. I'm not going to lie. Um, 
maybe that's deliberate. Like uh, everybody has said, even jerks like Quentin Tarantino for years. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, you gotta love the 1980s with the Kenny Loggins, uh, you know, montages in this movie. Of course, there there are montages where you're like, all right, the 1980s may have doomed humanity to hell, but gotta love them. <laughs> Reaganomics forever doomed democracy in this country, but at least we have montages. At least we have these montages right. on a motorcycle. I agree. Yeah. Uh, performances, Michael. Number one, I got to say, the person who you, you know who sprayed, with, sprayed them all with the spray bottle to make them sweaty in every single shot, My, great job by them. In the finale, <laughs> the guy manning the radar on the naval ship having nothing to do with the dogfight that's going on in the air. The guy just sitting at the desk reading the radar of how far away from base these planes are is dripping. (laughs) He looks like me after a three-mile run and a lasagna dinner. He is so soaking wet. It's I watch pro wrestling where men are covered in baby oil, and I've never seen anything like this. It's it's the sweatiest movie of all time. It's sweltering conditions. So, apparently. so wet. So wet. <laughs> and it's a hundred percent deliberate. It's a hundred percent deliberate. They literally have somebody spraying them down before every single shot. How did that happen with the continuity? Like or I guess it's just it, it doesn't matter. Right. It's just yeah. It's just I'm I'm willing to forgive the pilots, obviously, and the people in those high stress situations. <laughs> this guy's sitting at a desk. <laughs> yeah, the sweatiest people are the you know the eighty-year-old, uh, or no? The, 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 I guess they're sixties back then. Uh, <laughs> Whatever they are, they look it. They they look <laughs> right. their age. These as guys, far as performances, otherwise, I really liked Anthony Edwards as Goose. Loved Anthony Edwards as Goose. Uh, but here's the problem with Anthony Edwards as Goose. Like Tom, you know, Tom Cruise becomes this mega movie star. Anthony Edwards before Top Gun did Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Anthony Edwards after Top Gun did Revenge of the Nerds Part Two. Mm. It really mm. didn't change his didn't career. Take, his career didn't take off in the way Tom Cruise. Well, this is a Tom Cruise. Like, everyone yeah. knew Tom Cruise was the megastar in this. This is obviously his showcase. It's a little weird, and by a little I mean extremely, to watch this with 2022 eyes, knowing what we know about Tom Cruise now and, mm-hmm. and everything he's done since flipping out on Oprah's couch he gives these looks that are supposed to be smoldering and sultry. And it just looks like he's got crazy in his eyes. <laughs> True. No. How many shots in this movie, like reaction shots of Cruz where, you know, somebody comes at him and he just smiles and he gets like a, he gets like a reel, like an actor's reel for like a modeling reel, not an right. actor's reel, a modeling reel where he's just like oh, this pose, that pose, smile. Right. Cut. <laughs> so many. Yeah. So many. What are now I think would be creepy smiles. <laughs> True, but he's 23. Uh, his his code name is Maverick, Maverick, but I think his real name in the script is Hubris Mitchell. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. Like, and he's just the whole movie is built on him against himself, Michael. That's the yeah. movie, and it's about other characters talking about him against himself and his past. That's why Hot Shots Part Two is just so great. It's absurd. This movie one. is absurd. There's allusions to his father having something to do with the name, but it's yeah. never really explained to us, and he's... he's. 
<laughs> I can't. I can't say much without getting into spoilers. True. So I'll wait, but but I yeah. can't watch Hot Shots fast enough. And it's Hot Shots one, excuse me. But Hot Shots one has to be watch. Be, be my next watch. Uh, Kelly McGillis really good in this and really good in Witness the year before. Charlotte Charlie Blackwood. She was twenty nine when she filmed this. She, she wasn't that old. They could have got somebody much older. But Michael, she's based on a real life figure, Christine Fox, who goes on to become the highest-ranking woman to serve in the U.S. Department of Defense when she was Secretary of Defense in 2013. Badass. That's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. So, otherwise, we've got Meg Ryan in this. She's adorable. She Unnecessary. Unnecessarily (laughs) adorable. Uh, We got some old... Goats, James Tolkien, he's the bald guy I was talking about, all the Back to the Future movies. Tom Skerritt is Viper, MASH, Alien, yeah. Poltergeist 3. <laughs> he looks great in this. My God, he's that, I just want to be in half as good a shape as these guys. Michael <laughs> Ironside, I yep. was going crazy in my head. What was Michael Ironside in Scanners and Total Recall? That's what I recognize mm-hmm. Michael Ironside was in. He's Jester. He's the jerk. <laughs> Tim Robbins shows up for a scene for no reason. And then Clarence Gilliard, he is sundown, and he was diehard, but I couldn't, like, what else has he been in? What else has he been in? Walker, Texas Ranger. That's what Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) He he does have that face, too, of, like, I know that guy from somewhere. This is a a great collection of, like, every movie in the 80s was, you know? (laughs) Great collection of that guy's posers. Yeah, to the to the nth degree, and and you know, good act. They become good actors with great IMDb's. But my God, this movie was fun uh, to watch them posing and and just basically, what do they call that? Hawking around, hawk. Anyway, I've never been able to do that myself, but that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Production values, maybe the best part of this movie. Yes. Why it was four time Oscar nominated. Great music. Can we just say it? Of course. Great music that I'm going to listen to for the rest of the month. Kenny, Man. when I got on, I didn't get on Spotify until I think last October, and one of the first channels I looked up was Kenny Loggins Radio. Wow! So Kenny Loggins is just—he's—he's he's crack agree. to the ears. I agree. Nine-time platinum certification for the soundtrack—that means nine million units sold. Again, uh, he's got two singles on this album berlin of course take my breath away the original song oscar went to giorgio moroder and tom whitlock who wrote mm-hmm. a lot of this music uh cheap trick lover boy and then like they'd re-release the soundtrack with the huge classics on there because of course Od- otis redding's sitting on the dock by the bay great balls of fire from Jer- jerry lee lewis and you've lost that love and feeling from the righteous brothers of course they want to go beyond the money they made from the songs being in the movie to the money that they can make from the re-release of the soundtrack. Yeah, licensing a lot of those well-known songs, too. Their re-release had, like, again, I'm just going to say, like, forever. I'm very tired. (laughs) The re-release had something like 11 extra tracks or something on it. Yeah. Uh, They're just, this is marketing genius at its highest. That's why Bruckheimer got all those movies, and that's why, that's why, yeah, this film is just, it is just, Something that they, once they knew what they had, they were going to push that to 11 and make all the money. Mm -hmm. Just all the money. And I can't really blame them at all. This score, for that matter, is the perfect representation of it. Harold Uh, Faltermeyer. Yeah. 
Grammy winner for Beverly Hills Cop and Fletch, those scores soundtracks. I mean, the choice to use some synthetic bubblegum bebop nonsense for some of the fight scenes, that was a choice. But otherwise, like the guitar, I mean, maybe cut that, me saying that. No, you were were way closer with it than I was, so I'm going to leave that in. (laughs) This was the type of movie, because of the score and the soundtrack, where no matter what you wore to the theater, you walked out draped in an American flag. <laughs> True. This is military porn. Right. This is patriot porn. Patriot porn, and we all love them for it. That's why it's Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Like Top Gun, Independence Day, the for, for Fourth of July, Top Gun is for Memorial Day. And it's an iconic theme song. And it, the, the fact that you just get the gr- musical gratification... Like, the transitional scenes, you get the two big hits, right? And then every time something goes right, you get that guitar riff, and mm-hmm. you just know, like, when Queen plays over the Mighty Ducks, you know there's <laughs> gratification there. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. Uh, VFX and the stunts and the cinematography now. Mike, this is the U.S. military in action. Uh, they wild. filmed the real thing. Uh, the, Matthew Modine actually turned down the role of Maverick because of the pro-military stance the movie was making. But they had wow. three three squadrons that they employed at one point or another, Paramount paying for the costs, the operating costs of the machines, as well as $8,000 an hour. Uh, How did Tony Scott get this gig? To, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I, whatever. That's so much faith to put in a guy for a second feature film. I wonder. I, I got to hear that backstory. I mean, We're, he nailed it, obviously. It, but, he, but he also had, like, disposable funds right at uh, in his pocket because there's a, a legend that, you know, they, they wanted to turn around the aircraft carrier and the military uh, admiral at the time, Tony Scott wanted him to turn it around, and the admiral's like, that's going to cost you $25,000. Otherwise, we keep going straight. <laughs> and Tony Scott pulls out his checkbook and writes a check for $25,000. Wow. <laughs> on the spot they turned it around that's badass that's pretty badass yeah. like this is just like a muscle flex scene this is one big throbbing it <laughs> yeah it <laughs> just is like tom cruise's character uh the cinematography should have been nominated if anything was nominated in this movie mike they put cameras on all of these planes they had one special plane that was just like the smoothest flyer going around filming everything from a distance a learjet i believe well when you think about how they must have done this in the technology it's not like drone technology was available in the 80s to shoot this stuff with so they had to do something like that it was very akin to how you shoot alongside a car to get when you're driving on a highway you have to have another car that's alongside it you had to block off the whole road except this is you know thirty thousand feet in the air going at mach 2 speed it's incredible especially to be consider this was pulled off in the 38 years ago or whatever the the time frame is and jeffrey l kimball would go on to you know work with john woo and mission impossible 2 there he would go on to work for wind talkers uh the expendables true romance wild things but yet you'd think he'd get more credit for the, the DP work here. But like Hollywood always does, if it's a big muscular movie that, you know, is aided by the military. No, they're not going to give him that credit. I mean, they literally had a NASA astronaut, future NASA astronaut, Scott Altman, performing that inversion stunt, the famous inversion stunt at the beginning of the movie. And that's where the credit goes, I guess. That's it, insane. It, 
it doesn't go to the cinematographer. But it and then like, you read about what's, what's going on. So you had all this naval involvement and blah, blah, blah for 1986. And then you read about what's going on for Top Gun Maverick in 2022. And it's, it's the headlines. Tom Cruise did the flight plan and the flight train. It's like, what? Yep. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. At this point, the man's filming other movies in space, and it looks all—it looks like the real thing. So if you yeah. if you put a big bubblegum Americana story around that, God, do you have a hit? And I think Top Gun Maverick's going to be the same thing. So yeah, guys, go watch this on Netflix. Go watch this on Paramount Plus. It's leaving uh, Netflix at the end of the month, so okay. if you want to check it so, out, there's that's where it is right now. Streaming when you when we've recorded this uh, mid May. Of 2022, but let's mm-hmm. let's dive into spoilers. Let's do it. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie Top Gun from 1986, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause, go find a time machine, go travel back to the late 80s. You can go check it out in theaters there, or like we said at the end of the non-spoiler section, it's available right now on Paramount Plus and Netflix. If you're listening to this in May of 2022, uh, if you've not seen, if you've seen the movie already, I should say, or if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, this is where you want to be. All spoilers from this point out for 1986's Top Gun, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, this movie is uh, preposterous. Preposterous. The editing really is hilarious. Uh, Mike, when I saw Roadhouse on the elliptical the other, you know, a couple weeks ago, <laughs> yeah, I was just on the elliptical for twenty minutes because that's all I can handle. I'm not, I'm not a small man. <laughs> and there were two sex scenes and right. two fight scenes, like yeah. two brutal fights. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the same thing. Like you have a car chase going into a sex scene. Yeah. Going into a guy's high fiving scene, going into a firefight. This movie is just a. You know, remember the episode of Sunny where they're looking for roommates and they they cut out the advertisement to make it look like a bicep, but it looks like a penis. <laughs> yes. That's what this movie is. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, this plot is all right. So you got Pete Maverick Mi- Mitchell, who mm-hmm. likes risky business. Almost starts World War Three. He's the worst pilot of all time. (laughs) If he has this many marks on his resume and he's this bad and he doesn't follow orders this much, why is everyone giving him, just looking the other way and pushing him through this program? Talk about white privilege. I got to go against my instincts. I got to give you your dream shot. I got to (laughs) throw top gun. We We start the movie with Cougar... Who's supposedly number one in the class, freaking out for no reason and handing in his wings. And then the commanding officer is is sitting there. Well, Cougar was going to go, but he left. So you guys who don't listen to any of my fucking orders, who do whatever the hell you want with the military's plane and the taxpayer's money up there. You, I guess you're going to Top Gun school now. Your ego's writing checks. Your body can't cash. And uh, where do they send them? Of course, they send them to like this one big cluster, you know what, of of ego jousting. <laughs> Sword fights. And penis, I also penis. like how Top Gun, which is supposed to be this elite training for the, the highest of high stakes in wartime, mm-hmm. battle in the air at 30,000 feet at all these ridiculous speeds and hairpin turns and anything could happen. you got to be prepared. You have to have the most dedicated soldiers who are ready for anything. 
And what's Top Gun School to prepare them for this? It's just one giant contest. It's just games every day on a point-based system to see who can get their name on a trophy. <laughs> Putting rules on them. You can't fly through. Yeah, it's, that's all it is. It's just like, hey, we have a plaque. <laughs> it's no wartime prep. Who wants the name on the plaque? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Congratulations, you've graduated Top Gun School. <laughs> you have enough points to graduate, by the way. <laughs> Even though you killed your partner. So bad. Goose but, dying comes out from out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but this plot is they, they go to school. Uh, he falls in love with a professor. Like this, After talking four times, they she fuck. says, I'm starting to fall for you. I'm afraid people are going to see right through it. Goose dies. Maverick gets over it in a few scenes. Goose dying has to be the funniest fallout <laughs> from any death in an 80s. It has to be in an yeah. 80s movie. It has to be. Maverick, the entire movie, is being yelled at for you're too dangerous, you don't listen, you're going to get... Val Kilmer's Iceman is yeah. the only man who sees everything clearly in this clearly. entire movie. The only one. He's, he's telling him, you're dangerous, you can't be trusted, you're going to get somebody killed out there, blah, blah, blah. This happens for a good, I don't know, 70 minutes of runtime, right? It's just everyone yelling at Maverick, telling him he's too dangerous, but still pushing him through the ranks. And then he is dangerous, and Goose <laughs> dies, and the next scene is Maverick telling Kelly McGillis, oh, I think it's my, maybe it was my fault. I died, Mike. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> We're supposed to feel bad for Maverick. You think it was your fault, dumbass? Of course it was his fault. And it, it make it matters even worse. Goose and him had how many heart to hearts during right, the movie? Right. You're my fan you're my only fan. You're my only fan. I'll never let I, anything bad happen to you. I wouldn't screw this opportunity up for you. I'd never let <laughs> And then he's dead. I think maybe it was my fault. You think so, do you? But then he immediately is exonerated in, in the court, the military court there. Court martial oh, court. Oh, it's great. It's great. And and, and I also the, the commanding officer doesn't try to be empathetic. He doesn't try to say, I, I understand you want to take a couple days off. Nope. Get this him up there school. as soon as yeah, possible. This is school. And the commanding officer in the bathroom is is just says to him, Tom Cruise, basically, oh, he died. Uh, you're going to lose a lot more other people. Yeah, let's get back out there. <laughs> this isn't wartime. He didn't die because the enemy got him. He died because Tom, the fucking Tom Cruise killed him. <laughs> no, but the one criticism he gets from Tom Skerritt is you got a confidence problem now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he, maybe we just don't understand this world, Michael. Maybe no, that, that, no, no, no. We understand it fine because this <laughs> asshole now who has no confidence and is back up in the sky and mm -hmm. is sc too scared to do anything in training, he's so shaken by the goose death He's so shaken by his performance after Goose's death that he is incapable of, of flying, right? He's incapable of doing what a Top Gun pilot needs to do. So he quits the program. He quits the program. Kelly McGillis tries to talk him back into it for two sentences. He resists, and she says, essentially, oh, I always knew you were a quitter anyway. So she doubles down on it. Mm -hmm. But yet he's still allowed to graduate, and even though he quit, and even though he can't do the training exercises, he's immediately thrown back in the air during a real wartime fight. It's a, a compilation of 
bizarre scenes because they don't even show him quitting. Like he still shows up, but right. he's not sitting down. He, <laughs> he, he, the funniest scene to me was after, after he's, uh, getting apologized to by Val Kilmer, which is actually a sweet scene. He's like, look, goose, everybody loved him. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You right. know, and it's actually a good scene. They had to do some good acting together. We pan to a random guy. And then next thing you know, he's on the phone. It's Wolfman. <laughs> it's Wolfman. Maverick quit. And, and then, of course, we, apparently he, call, she, he called uh, Charlie, who goes to the bar and visits Maverick at the bar. And he looks wasted. <laughs> and she's like, I'll have what he's having. And the waitress goes, ice water? <laughs> like, bizarre. Just one bizarre scene after the next. And he had enough points to graduate. That's why he was allowed to show up. Because it didn't matter what happened. He was so far ahead of the class, even though he bailed on his training and killed his partner. <laughs> he had enough points to graduate still. He's There's only so many people who can fly these planes, <laughs> apparently, who have the skill. So they don't get, they're going to let them get away literally with murder. You keep saying like. I keep saying literally. Uh and then, yeah, what reason are they fighting at the end? There's a ship that's a hostage or has to get refueled or it comes whatever. comes from out of nowhere. It's such, a, it's such a third act throwaway. It works, obviously, because you're just enthralled yeah. with the air fight and the spectacle of it. Sure. So they just go and fight somebody at the <laughs> end. They, yeah, they literally just fight anybody. Anybody. <laughs> he, she, of course, gives up her dream job at the Pentagon. Come Naturally. back and be with him. Naturally, which that whole love story starts. They're at a bar mm-hmm. and Kelly McGillis is sitting there and obviously Tom Cruise doesn't know she's part. She's from the Pentagon and going to be his teacher and blah, 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 blah. But right. that whole love story starts because Tom Cruise and Anthony Edwards, Goose and Maverick are going to do this. You lost that loving feeling thing. And she's a woman sitting alone at the bar. And she watches this man come in with a routine that is so rehearsed Mm -hmm. that he has the entire Top Gun flight school able to sing harmony behind him and his backup vocals in tune. And the 80s audience was supposed to. So he's clearly like just this womanizer who's done this thousands of times before. And we as the 80s audience were supposed to be like, oh, how endearing. (laughs) He's willing to commit to the grand gesture, I guess. Look, this is just, this is a male fantasy, clearly. Yes. Uh, There's there's not a female within a hundred miles of this writing room between these two guys. (laughs) She is, I mean, these creepy situations are all playing out very mildly. And like he stalks her into the bathroom right into the ladies room and her first and her first thing she says is are we going to do it on the bathroom floor what no (laughs) yeah it's made out to be it's not they don't cross any lines but it it is made it's the scary setups like like i understand this is what i mean coming to it from 2022 eyes it's gross looking at it in modern day but it's obviously but it's charming scenes and charming dialogue at the end of it unfortunately (laughs) It's very different from time has not treated some of these scenes well. No, uh, I think uh, I think we have some funny repartee between all the fighter pilots there. I also love that Iceman is just 
the biggest dork of the group. Like every every joke he makes is made fun of by everybody else. Yeah, it, but he that has does, no good totally comebacks. doesn't make sense because he's the only guy that's speaking truth out there, and he's playing by the book. He's playing by the rules. He's a really good pilot. Yeah, he's totally... like, you dweeb. <laughs> he's hung out to dry. Goose makes fun of him. Famously, how many famous last words does Goose have? <laughs> Everyone, every single thing he says, uh, it just blows up in his face. Literally, it's almost like his hatch didn't open. <laughs> um, I do want to say something about Charlie. Like she, this is these are sweltering temperatures, and <laughs> she's wearing a a effing sweater yeah at the yeah. pickup bar yeah <laughs> around her neck like uh the like ben every Affleck. prep will hunting the harvard well, no. guy yeah but like every preppy for the next 20 30 right. years like this is why this is a white people anthem movie this is like when you say caucasia oh my top God. gun top gun would be the national movie of caucasia if caucasia became a country well, the one black guy in the cast is Sundown, who's thrown in just out of nowhere to be Goose's replacement, and he's give, he's he's just treated as matter of factly. Like, here's the guy now; he's your backup. That's Replaced it. Replaced by a white guy in the very next scene. Right. Right. <laughs> so stupid. Right. Awful. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I don't know. It's just a bizarre setups that work out somehow work out for Maverick. Like what if she was going to the bathroom to take a shit, you know, like (laughs) most people do, (laughs) but in this male fantasy, she goes just put more lipstick on her lips are the reddest lips in the history of red lips. There is no way 1986. Tony Scott thinks attractive women poop. There's no way. (laughs) So we get this movie that is not great for women drivers. (laughs) <laughs> but is great for silhouette silhouette sex. Yes, yes. Elevate on the silhouette sex. I I will say that elevator scene is irresistible. That I mean, elevator. There's, there's charming and there's fun stuff all littered throughout this. Absolutely, and that's the, one of them. Yeah, him playing hard to get through for throughout Act Two is actually rather fun, and him you know with the with the with the officer coming in. And, and walking out and her trying to play, you know, her trying to play uh, to f- play off the fact that they're just madly, insanely attracted to one another for a, just a half a second be, to be like, look, I still got a job to do. We're, we're going to have sex. This is, this <laughs> Which is, is the, we're like, going to go off. It's an insane part because she's basically written to be throwing herself at him and he's the one resisting, even though he's the one who chased the first night. Right. It worked that well. It worked that well because yeah, I it's guess a male so. fantasy, <laughs> and he's probably. I mean, I, I guess every woman on the planet, or every you know, every gay guy on the planet is is listening to us now, saying, "Of course, of course, it's Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. He looks yeah. like that. Even it, straight it, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're right. idiots again. Right. We're the idiot Magoo twins here right. that that don't get it, and then, then we don't even get what we don't get." Just like the Lighthouse <laughs> Review, where everybody's probably listening to this and saying, really? Is this, is this your read on this? Right. <laughs> She's wearing that hat, and you think <laughs> this is what the movie means? <laughs> so this is a whole other thing, yeah, that, that goes over our head. But uh, when you watch this movie, it's not necessarily a straight man's anthem, I don't think. And I don't think Quentin Tarantino is a, a good guy. 
number one. I don't <laughs> think he's exactly right, number two. Uh, or he's nice about it, but that he's not wrong necessarily about what this movie means. Is a, you know, right? I or, mean, there's definitely the undertone. Yeah, there's definitely some, like, it's not hard to find homosexual eroticism in that volleyball scene at all. No, there's not. There's, <laughs> it's, it's not hard to blatant. find. It's quite blatant. So, yeah, I think that's pretty clear. I wonder if there was any attempt, purposeful attempt to do that when they were filming. I don't know. I can't imagine there is because of how male... Sen- like, we, we talk a little bit, not all the time, about the male gaze versus the female gaze. This right. is male gaze a thousand percent, but there is this line of thinking that if you go so far into the male gaze of how men think men should look for women... Eventually, you are going to cross into some kind of homosexual eroticism. <laughs> it just You just are. You're going to end up with sweaty, muscular men <laughs> tapping each other on the ass and, and feeling each other up. That's just where you're going to end he, up. He can't even cry with Meg Ryan. Like, she's broken. <laughs> it's a great acting showcase why she becomes a movie star for the next 20 years, right? And it's a really good scene after Goose is dead. Uh but this is just the definition of male repression involved mm-hmm. like a few scenes later with dealing with daddy issues and then going back and fighting a war. <laughs> so do you think do you think that Maverick was in love with Goose or do you think Maverick I thought Maverick and Ice had sexual tension? Absolutely 100%. Yeah. But there's sexual tension between all the people in this right. movie. That's no? probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. Everyone just needed to fuck. It should have just been if, one big <laughs> orgy. Yeah. One big orgy. That's the subtext. It's uh, the subtext of the movie. Oh, my God. But what a movie. I guess, I mean, if you can make a movie where there's sexual, uh, sexual tension between every single character, if you can write that script, if you can direct that movie and give it great music and give it great cinematography and great fight scenes and great dialogue you got a hit for a hundred years which is what top gun's gonna be Iceman would have died in that dogfight in act three by the way he would have died because top gun hesitated but we got the call back to the he and got frozen he, he hesitated and when he finally comes to maverick goes ice on the count of three break hard right three <laughs> two one Iceman on the count of 67 <laughs> Just hang in there, pal. <laughs> On the count of three, but I'm going to count down from three instead, immediately. <laughs> oh, what a movie. And, and look, I think it was David Ehrlich uh, who I retweeted, or I sent to the, at least sent it to you, Mike, who said, yeah. Ma- Top Gun Maverick, the 2022 sequel, is so much better than Top Gun 1986, and it's not like comparing Paddington 2 to Paddington 1. It's like comparing <laughs> Paddington 2 to Top Gun from 1986. It's that much better of a movie. I'm glad to hear that. I'm excited to hear it. I- I'm interested to see how it can be. I-, I mean, you would think that if you're going to make a sequel to this, camp has to be a part of it, except Tom Cruise, as we know him, is not a guy who's going to be doing a lot of camp. Look, all I can say and all I will say so whatever and you and your fucking buddy, David Ehrlich, think, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't follow. I don't know what you're talking about, this whole camp thing. Um, I disagree. This was a documentary for this you. This is a great movie. 
I, I have no I, I have no uh, <laughs> conception of what you're talking about whatsoever. Right. Well, I apologize then. That's on me. <laughs> I don't yeah. follow where you're going with this. <laughs> I don't ascribe to what you're saying. Uh, I don't know. What a movie. And, I, and, and all in under two hours, too. So much movie. The, the efficiency uh, for giving us what we want. Yeah. That's, again, this is why these everybody involved in this film has a 40-year career after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This probably... Taos of Gucci was the sequel to this, I think. Top Gun Maverick <laughs> may be the third in a trilogy, but... Lady Gaga connecting them both. Yeah, there you go. Uh, as always, dear listener... We desperately want to hear what you have to say about Top Gun from 1986. When's the last time you watched it? Have you watched it recently, or do you plan on watching it in preparation for Top Gun Maverick? What are your thoughts about it? What are your thoughts on what we had to say, both of the spoiler and non-spoiler variety? Let us know. As always, you can leave us all of those, as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, .com, and on Reddit. We are a Available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate the hard-hitting journalistic breakdowns we do for you, such as in this episode, we would really appreciate that. Thank you sincerely to everyone who has taken the time to do so and leave us a five-star review at any point in the past. Uh, we cannot thank you enough. Those help us out a ton. Michael, let's have some words of wisdom to end on. And let's tell the people what is coming next from us. Well, I think... When hubris, uh, <laughs> when pride does go before hubris, the fall, McDanger zone. <laughs> when when that uh, is the reason you you uh, you know face when, when hubris is the reason you stumble. Mm. Um, just remember, it's also the reason you succeed. Right, and it's it's why, as an American. <laughs> Uh, you are uh, better than everybody else. Right. Which is what Top Gun proves. Naturally. <laughs> you don't even have to finish the flight training. You just That's go right. up there, you kill the other the other country's pilots, you're home. You just be better. Just yeah. be better than uh, everybody else at what you do. Uh, Oscar Ray's checkpoints are going to be reacting to the Cannes Film Festival over the next couple of weeks. We're going to do Mama's Boy movie night mm-hmm. and I guess Daddy's Boy movie night. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of this month too, Uncle's Boy movie night, uh, because we got uh, talk about homoerotic tension. <laughs> Downton Abbey, a new era. Uh, we got Top Gun Maverick, film studies or top. Five. I don't know what we're gonna do with that. Just smorgasbord e- mm. episodes, whatever we decide to uh, format those uh, with. But we got those coming. We're, we may have a special or two. We're talking about maybe for our next episode. Uh, how to fix the Oscars in parentheses again. Mm-hmm. That's a research project that we've been looking at. Scott Feinberg wrote an awesome piece, a 10-pronged plan or 12-part plan, I forget now, that will be our starting point on The Hollywood Reporter. So go listen to, the, uh, go read that, rather, to uh, study up. And then we'll become, and we're, we'll be like, you know, adding to that. And then maybe we could do this, and we're going to sound like idiots, but we are willing to do so as we've always been <laughs> on Mike, Mike and Oscar, which is why we've reviewed this movie here today, but I love this movie. I take it to my uh, deathbed, loving this darn movie. It's, it's my childhood. So I thank you for letting me do this today, Mike. Four Oscar noms and one win. Unbelievable. Oscar winning top gun. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> when reality sucks, you can come relive the nostalgia with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon on the flight deck. See ya.